Attention Pokemon players, you are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast. On today's episode, Chuck comes home, Jake plays on stream, and is that your dog? <laughs> a little inside joke for the rest of, uh, you know, Pittsburgh here, uh, a little spoilers for our guests to come, but Chuck, before we get to that, how was your week? <laughs> it was a busy um, one. Uh, my, yeah. Crazy week, busy. Uh, you know, we had a holiday weekend. Um, coming in from last episode, Labor Day. Um, but uh, yeah, made the trip back home, uh, which was fun. For the big new, the the big you know thing was that uh, Pittsburgh Regional happened over the weekend. So came back home, played in that. That was pretty much the only Pokemon thing I did from last episode to. The- this episode um so yeah it was it was great to be home be with the team got my cool jersey now that has my name on it helped yes. uh, eventually some of you may get to see it uh but yeah yeah this is a good yeah. week good week and then we'll talk, i mean i'm sure i to talk more about the results later from the regional. Unless yeah, we'll, we'll go over uh, a recap of, um, you know, what we saw at the regionals, um, either metagame or just experience and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, much of the same for myself too. Um, obviously, it was a, a shorter weekend for me, so didn't really get to do much other than regionals, um, which was also, you know, obviously a, a really good time. Had a pretty good start. Um, I did get to play on stream, and I guess we'll talk about that later when we just go over the, you know, Pittsburgh in general. Um but just got to meet a lot of uh, new community members, uh, got to show off the city. Um, and again, I, again, I, I keep saying it, but I, I definitely want to hype up the the venue, David, uh, David e. Lawrence uh, Convention Center, because um, it might be bi- biased on my point or on my part. But I think it's the best venue I've been to so far in any Pokemon uh, events, um, just that, you know, that the main lobby area, being able to see the the. Um, the three bri- the the three rivers, the bridges, the stadiums, all that stuff. Um, and you don't really get to see that elsewhere. Like the inside of the hall was spacious, like all the others, but like th- that view is just something else that I have not seen at a different uh, convention center. Um, I, I'm gonna piggyback off you on on that with you because uh, I've been to a few of these now. I'm not and I'm not gonna say I've been to every one, so I'm missing some halls, but. Um, I've been quite a few convention centers and I don't know that was the smoothest and like best convention center I've went to so far for a Pokemon regional so sure. and <laughs> I'm trying not to be biased um, but it just felt really good I mean, um, well, what can we say Pittsburgh just knows how to host events uh, period we're just better at it than everybody else <laughs> <laughs> yeah I agree uh, with that being said, though, we do have another guest with us this week. Um, it is an awesome local um, to Pittsburgh um, player. Obviously, he's one of our teammates on Team Junction. Um, he's been a you know a staple to the community since we've been a part of it. Um, and that is Colton Ames. So thank you uh, for coming on and joining us this week. Yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Yes. Um, so we, we did have you on. I don't know, almost two and a half years ago uh, before Chuck was a, even a, a permanent on here as kind of like a bonus episode to, I think, one of our like local leagues um, 
kind of like online leagues during pandemic uh, that you ended up winning, but uh, not uh, in an official manner. So we're going to, um, you know, get to know you as a community member a little bit more uh, than we did then. So that we'll, we're going to treat this as your first official time on the cast. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but for those that don't know who you are, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your Pokemon journey to this point. All right. Yeah. So uh, like Jake said, my name's Colton. Uh, I've been playing Pokemon. I usually just reference uh, the team up set. Um, in my head, I, I started collecting because I watched uh, Detective Pikachu and I was like, oh, I want to get back into collecting cards. So I went out, bought a ETB of a team up and started playing from there. I just, I mean, our local scene wasn't what it is now uh, back in 2018. Um, you would go to local leagues and like shady side area and you'd see like six to eight people at the most which of course now we know it turns to you know 16 to 20 mm-hmm. on a good week um so but i started playing got into it um went to new jersey regional before the pandemic hit it did you know not great but i had a great time and then the pandemic hit everybody slowed down a little bit but there were a couple stores locally that uh continued play and Kept through it, kept through it. And then once the pandemic lightened up a little bit and Pittsburgh kind of erupted, that's whenever I started getting a little bit more serious about Pokemon. Um, Did some of the team challenges over the pandemic a little bit too. That was really fun. Um, But yeah, ever since uh, pandemic lightened up and like, especially since like championship points came back and people started getting a little bit more competitive, uh, that kind of lights the fire under my butt a little bit just because that's my favorite type of Pokemon to play. It's just high, high competition, um, high stakes Pokemon um, where everybody's gunning for first. And um, yeah, it's just going to keep at it. And that's my history so far. Right. Right. Yeah. And like I said, uh, you've been a key part of the community since I've been a part of it. And I really appreciate the the games and just kind of how we've kind of bounced, uh, bounced ideas and just, uh, you know, playing competitively against each other has driven me uh, you're one of the you know the key players that has driven me to get better at my game from the beginning of my journey, and I know Chuck can probably second that, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, again, um, I'm I'm pumped to have you on here. You didn't mention, uh, yeah, I mean, we I've I've been meaning to have you on anyways, but uh, I had a kind of a thing where we said, hey, whoever's on you know Team Junction first to get over a hundred points um, gets to jump on the cast. And although you did tie with uh, another team member, Adam, um, you kind of took the 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 tiebreaker because you ended up uh, finishing 64th in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, bubbling in uh, with super high, uh, you know, resistance there. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. uh, a heck of a, a journey from, you know, like you said, pre-pandemic from going and just kind of getting body in New Jersey to um, um, having a really good day one. And can, even though maybe not necessarily exactly how you wanted day two to go um you know pushed it out to to get into 64 so uh yeah i'm, I'm pretty pumped for you um especially after my yeah, day thanks <laughs> no I, I appreciate it yeah it's it was a it was a good good weekend for me um and yeah I, I i didn't mention it i guess because i didn't expect it um you know i i wasn't gunning for points or anything like that prior to pittsburgh and you know i just didn't go to Pittsburgh expecting to get top 64. So I, I was definitely really satisfied with them, with that performance. And I think we can talk about it a little bit more later whenever yeah, we talk sure. about all of our performances and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I was super excited to, uh, to do that. And 
you know, everybody I played was great too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But before we do get into that, uh, you know, regionals recap, um, I do want, or we do want to dive into our standard questions here um, and get to kind of know you a little bit more as, you know, your, your, poke, your Pokemon, um, you know, uh, favorite stuff um, experiences in the, in the game right now. So I'll start us off. Um, and this one's kind of a softball, um, but your favorite Pokemon. Favorite Pokemon is Quilaba. Mm-hmm. Now, was there any reason? I, I think that. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I knew <laughs> that too. Uh, but is there any specific reason for the listeners out there? Uh, I think it's just like second gen. I was still, you know, younger, still like really into the anime, watching it whenever it came on every week and stuff like that. Cyndaquil was super cool. Um, you know, probably still like top 10 Pokemon if I had to divide the evolution line. Mm-hmm. But as soon as, as soon as he evolves, he kind of like resembles like this cross hybrid between like a dog and like a weasel or like a ferret or something like that i'm a big dog person which yeah. i'm sure we will talk about as well um it's, but... it's my intro for you <laughs> yeah um but no i think that's why i think and then the fire pokemon are always pretty cool but Quilava just he's he's unique for sure for sure uh, before we get to the next ch- uh question there chuck then uh i want to kind of just go into this it was kind of an inside joke between us uh people at pittsburgh uh but colton uh play his play mat you know he's he's done well with us on the team challenges has some top 32 stamped mats um he could play with those if he wants he's had um success at you know m- multiple um you know local level things that he's won mats at um he can play with those but no he he has a, a play mat of his dog um and i guess it would be funnier if uh Col- colton <laughs> yeah, explains yeah. the story <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, if anybody wants to see it, of course, it's always going to be on my Twitter underneath all the deck lists that I post. Um, and I have posted just a picture of the mat itself. So my dog, Mia, uh, she's an Australian Shepherd. She's super cute, super bad. Um, but you love her anyway. Mm-hmm. And I love playing on the play mat because, you know, I just get to look at my dog the whole time, whether I'm doing good, whether I'm doing bad. Like, it's just a, like brightens your day, brightens your matchup. Um, but I always think it's very funny and this is why the intro was the way it was that as soon as i roll out my mat onto the table and it's an opponent that i haven't played before they always and it never fails they say is that your dog and (laughs) part of me like i'm a very mild person i'm not very uh sassy for the most part and stuff but part of me always wants to just say it and no i just got this uh stock photo of this (laughs) dog and uh, i don't know whose it is i just thought it was really cute and i just play with this mat but no it is my dog and I think it's just instinctive for people to want to start conversation, which is a good thing. I just think it's a silly question. So, but that is the inside joke. So now every time I unroll my mat to somebody who plays me very often, such as Jake, they will be asking me if that's my dog every single time, hoping to to tilt me right off the beginning of the match. I have to because you you're a great player, and like it's hard to uh, consistently beat you. So I'm trying to look for any. Uh... Any advantage any, I can get. Any advantage, yeah. No, that that's the inside joke. But yes, um, that is the mat that I play with, and that is why I'll, I'll probably always play with that mat, to be honest, unless it gets all dinged up and damaged and stuff. But right, yep, right. like you said, I have all these other mats, um, but that one's that one's special to me. It was a gift, so I like it. For sure. I got to find a good generic question to ask him about the mat <laughs> that isn't about, is that your dog? Like, just the Funny enough, I did off. play... Next, directly next to somebody at Pittsburgh Regional that also had a mat um, with a picture of their dog and also a picture of their significant other, their wife. 
And I said, oh, wow, we have, you know, I was the one that initiated the conversation this time. I said, oh, wow, we have competing mats. I have, and then I unrolled mine and I had my dog and he says, oh, but does yours have your wife on it? And I couldn't tell if that was like a jab at me or if that was like he was <laughs> gloating or I was like, ah, no, it doesn't. Just my dog, I guess. <laughs> at least he didn't ask if it was his or yours. So that's not right. Good. All right, Chuck, I think uh, we want to move on to the next. So I uh, got the easy one out of the way. What's your favorite po Pokemon? It's been um, a while since we've asked these standard questions. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, what is your favorite Pokemon card? Uh, it could be for any reason. Uh, it does not need to be standard legal. Yeah, it doesn't. So, it can be any reason, any date, any time. I'll give you. I'll give you two answers because, like, I'll I'll tell you my favorite Pokemon card, like by design, by the way it looks, and then I'll tell you my favorite Pokemon card that I've played in a deck before. So, um, the Gardevoir Sylveon Altart is mm. my favorite one with the uh, kind of chibi looking Gardevoir and Sylveon. Um, I do have it. It's probably I, I'm not one to keep expensive cards around, or I'm not like a big collector. I'm more of like a player. So, I would venture to say that that's my most expensive card. Um, but I, I mean, I don't even like it because it's worth a lot of money. I just thought it was really, really cool. Right. Um, I did pull it myself whenever I first started collecting. And then I did play Gardevoir Sylveon in New Jersey. So kind of a, a lot of multifaceted why it's my favorite card, because it was like my first regional, you know, played it there. And then um, also a very good looking card. But I think my favorite Pokemon card to have been played in a deck is um it's actually building spite spirit team i i really enjoyed that deck it wouldn't stand a chance in the meta right now of course for obvious reasons uh <laughs> mr sableye gatekeeping <laughs> right. everything but um yeah i mean it was just it was a very intricate like very involved like um you had to do a lot of math make sure you counted all your damage counters right doing the right amount of damage and then um you know switching out making those plays and stuff it was just a very fun card to play with that that i enjoyed and then single prizing also made it very fun in that format too because that was still like the big tag team format where everything lasted like three turns so if you could extenuate that a little bit that was pretty cool very cool yeah i, I yeah i knew you played that deck all the time with great success and it was uh sometimes a little frustrating on my end but uh, <laughs> uh but yeah you played it great and uh, like i said it's, it was a good deck yeah for sure all right, so we're going to get into the next one. Uh, we're going to go the opposite direction there. Um, what is the your your least favorite card or the worst card in your opinion um, in the Pokemon in your experience in the Pokemon TCG? Mm, so, like, just what I just didn't like to play against. Like... Yeah, if you didn't like to play against it, it stopped you or... from getting success somewhere, or or you just hated the art for any reason. Yeah, you hate they hated the art. You didn't <laughs> like the, you saw it and you're like, this is a disgusting card. I hate it. Like Whatever. that pudgy, right. like the pudgy Pikachu, not yeah. not not the not yeah. the chunky chew, but the pudgy <laughs> art one. <laughs> that one was gross. Um, I think the card <laughs> would have to be. <laughs> See, like I I hesitate to say it now, but the deck that I hated playing against the most was Lugia V Star prior to rotation. Right now, I I don't mind playing against it. I think it's I think it's a good deck, but I think it's healthy. Um prior to rotation with all the like the rainbow energy and like the belt all the amazing rares and stuff like that yeah um very oppressive card very oppressive deck in general so like i don't know who to blame for that so maybe i'm you placing call, like, you can call it lugia amazing rares um that's, yeah that's fair enough yeah because I might, both, like, it, both on their own weren't weren't broken but together they were pretty oppressive 
Yeah, so I don't know if that, it, I mean, it answers the question close enough. Like, it's not a single card, but that was the one that I didn't like playing against most. And I also didn't really like playing against um, Raichu Raichu, because par paralysis was always a problem back in the tag that, team. That was team, my so. comeback on you. <laughs> yes, yeah, all the time, all the time. Paralysis, reset stamp, all that BS from the, from the tag team era. Yeah, no. So maybe if I've had to pick a particular card, it might be Raichu Raichu, but like as a whole, maybe Lugia pre-rotation um, was the, was probably the least favorite that I've ever had to play against. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough, yeah. It's all, all going right, to be well, more recent stuff too, because I, I, I'm, like I said, a recent player. So I guess that's probably good though, because we're all pretty new. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, we understand what these cards are. Sometimes yeah. we get ones that... <laughs> Or before our time, and then we're like, oh, I don't know why how that that's so terrible, but okay. Yeah. Um no, I get the next fun question. Um if you want yeah, I, I Jake usually takes this one, but I'll I'm <laughs> taking it. Uh what is your favorite Pokemon memory? So My is favorite a, Pokemon memory. Yeah, Pokemon hmm. adjacent memory. Something involving Pokemon that your is your favorite time, whether it was However you want to frame it. I think... I think that my favorite memory would have to be the team challenge that I was a part of that we made top 32. Um, I think it was... Jake, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It might have been season three. Yeah, that was um, season three. I, I think that was, like, the time that I, like, took pokemon the most serious and like put the most effort into like uh metagaming deck planning stuff like that and like the reason for that and I, I think we were having a brief conversation about this in the team chat yesterday is that I, i'm very used to being like a, a solo player i played tennis in high school i bowled in high school and like pokemon tcg for all intensive purposes is a solo you know competitive game but right. team challenge made it so I had people depending on me and how I performed. So I didn't want to like let them down. So I think that was like, I don't know. It was, it was fun for me because I had that additional pressure to do well and to help my team do well. Right. And, and I mean, it worked out. We got top 32. So that was also part of the memory, um, you know, that we could celebrate all together. But I think, you know, Obviously, I'm creating new memories as I go, and, and Pittsburgh will always be a good memory for me as well, considering I did pretty well there. But I think the team challenge just had a different vibe to it. Um, and it was kind of like that extra factor that like brought me even deeper into the Pokemon as a competitive hobby. So Right. I mean, it, the team challenge offers something that like all these uh, regionals don't, and that is like the team camaraderie. Um, all, like Leading up to every week's matchup, it's like, what decks are we playing? What decks are we cutting? Are we, we kind of scout out the other team? Do you think they're going to keep their decks? So there was a lot yeah. of, like, um, you know, collaboration within the team. Um, and, you know, that was another element that you don't see uh, at regionals, which regionals are great. Um, but I think it also brought us closer together as a group. Um, and that's Agreed, definitely yeah. one of the top memories for me, too, is that first run, um, you know, making it there um yeah it, it's interesting because like like you said like the camaraderie exists at regionals for sure like i mean it's 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 awesome to reconvene after every round and be like how'd you do how'd you do and like i think the difference with team challenge and that regional is like if i come back from a regional match and i lost and i come talk to you and you're like oh i won 
it's like you don't want to like celebrate too much because you don't want to make your your teammates feel bad at a regional like you, you just lost but even if you lost a match in team challenge you won together right. so like there's still something worth celebrating about and so like the the camaraderie is you know it exists everywhere in pokemon and and that's awesome too but it, it was just felt it felt a little different in team challenge yeah for sure i mean yeah even if you you fail um you know we've had multiple different times when other teammates stepped up and like you know took the slack off you and that's always a great feeling too um each and every one of us had had that opportunity so that also feels great yeah all right so we're gonna uh cap off our standard questions um so uh this one um it, you say you're walking up to a stream game uh and pokemon is you know change the rules and they're 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 allowing um outside music um you're walking up the stage and they have like a <laughs> walk-up music like they do in baseball um which song would be your walk-up music uh to the to the stream game oh gosh um i think like there's so there's a band it's called the plot and you if you're into like heavier uh i don't like the term but i'll use it just for all intensive purposes for understanding a screamo music mm-hmm. um they're that type of band, that type of music. Um, and they have a song called um, Feel Nothing. And not necessarily like the lyrics of the song would be representative of my walk-up music, but like the energy of the song would, mm-hmm. would be very cool. So I think I would choose that one. Uh, like I said, they're my favorite band. That's probably their most well-known song. So I think I could uh, I think I could get pumped up for a Pokemon match if, I, if they started playing that for me. Heck yeah. I also love asking these questions to people um, just so I can get like a different like understanding and, and appreciation of different music, um, regardless if it's something that's similar to something I listen to or not. Um, I, I usually give them a listen to uh, just to kind of see where other people's mindsets are. Yeah, I think I mean, as of recent, since we've been like carpooling and stuff, I think you and I have discovered that we have a relatively similar taste in music. I think, right. you know, we both listened to some events sevenfold some good good stuff like that three days grace so yeah sure yeah yeah Yeah, i'm excited what's up i'm excited to listen to this one so (laughs) yep do you always go after the after the episode and listen to the song that people say usually yeah unless like unless (laughs) it's like it was late and i need to go to bed but then i usually listen to the day or two later so um, yeah i'm excited to listen there all right i I look forward to the feedback All right. With that, uh, I think it is time to jump into a little bit of a, a recap of the regionals. We won't go into like uh, any specific matches. We don't need to talk about necessarily any like, um, you know, details in the matches, like I said, uh, more just like your experience, maybe what you saw out there, um, but not necessarily um, going in bad, uh, in, into detail. Um, so we'll we'll start um, with just kind of uh, the meta matchups that we were seeing. Um, we'll start with you, uh, Colton, since you are our guest. Um, kind of what was your break? Well, first off, what were you playing? And then what were you playing against? And kind of how did those matchups um, just kind of end? Like just as far as like the meta share, like favored, unfavored, do you feel feel like you made the right uh, meta call uh, and things like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So I was playing Lost on Giratina. I've been on this deck since probably Silver Tempest. It's it's been my go-to, uh, my baby. I've been making slight adjustments to the list, but um, you know anybody who's familiar with the meta right now knows that the 60s rather tight in that list, and the the changes are very minimal. But uh, like Jake said, it's a good meta call to include some cards. 
um for this tournament in particular i felt that i had a very um a very well representative uh, how to, how to, i don't know how to best say that a well represented match deck list just, right, compared yeah. to yeah to what the expected metal was i guess is what i'm trying to say i think the one thing that i dodged was mew i only played one mew um and i did cut spirit team from my deck uh expecting not to see a lot of mew so that worked out unfortunately i did lose the the mew match um but i don't know if spirit team would have helped in that case anyway i mean you but... were playing vance kelly in your mew match so fair uh, maybe is, if you're playing true. somebody that yeah. wasn't vance uh, you would have had a better chance <laughs> That is true. Um, so then I, di I did play, let's see, two Lugias. Um, I had the mirror match, I think, four times, um, which was expected because La Santina had a lot of hype going into the tournament. Um, and then I played some variant of Qian Pao twice, um, lost box three times, I think. And then I only did see one Guardi, which I consider fortunate. Um, I don't I don't love my matchup against Guardi, and it may just be a me thing, but um, I usually do struggle in that regard too. So, um, and then I did see a couple more on as well. Um, yeah. And, and overall, I think they went as I expected. Um, I did tie in the mirror once lost in the mirror twice, one in the mirror once. So mm -hmm. maybe that's something that I could personally work on in the mirror, but I do love the mirror. And I was talking to one of my opponents, uh, my round 14 opponent, Dan, we were talking about how intricate the mirror of Lost Tina can actually be. And it may be, you know, intricate in a mirror and Lost Box regardless, but we, we both really, really liked the mirror match. And it was fun to be able to talk to him after that and mm -hmm. see, you know, what, what each of us thought about that. So, yeah, I, I think my, my tournament run was what should have been expected. So I think that worked out well for me. Yeah. Were there anything else that just kind of stood out to you um, as far as just like um, unique, deck choices from your opponent um something that gave you the edge in some something or um anything in general when it came to just your matchups and, and your opponents um i think the funnest thing about this weekend was in the mirrors and it was trying to determine whether or not people were playing water or not because going into pittsburgh regionals um los Antina was either i'm playing three water so i can attack with greninja i'm playing two water so i can sometimes attack with greninja or i'm playing no water because I value consistency of getting the grass and the psychic out. So I guess now would be a good time to talk about my decision and what I did with my deck because I did decide to take out all the water, but I made the choice to include um, an Ultra Ball and a Holucha in my list. So it's not unheard of to put Holucha into Tina, but I figured in my head if I was taking out all the water for that consistency, I would need something to take two prizes in the mirror and against lost turbo loss box. Um, I, I, overall, I was really happy with that decision to include that in my deck. Like I don't, I still don't know if that's the right choice, if that's the quote unquote best way to play lost Tina, but it did come up in at least, you know, five situations throughout the tournament. And it did win me a couple matches whenever, you know, I could slap Halucha down and nobody was expecting it. Um, I even use it against Lugia to take out a um, single strike stone journer to to win right. the match. So just, you know, ping that 10 and then take the 12 with Sableye. So it it was a very dynamic card and I, I did enjoy having it in my deck, but um, sometimes you just can't find it when you need it. And sometimes the opponent, as soon as they know you have it, will play around it and not bench two Pokemon that can be 
pinged and then taken with Sableye. So correct. Um, it's definitely a surprise factor card, which it was, uh, and it and it did help um, me for sure. No, yeah, I, again, um, making your first day two, getting all the way up to top sixty four is a huge accomplishment. Um, jealous about that, um, but also super pumped. That's the best part of it for me. Is um, regardless of personal success. Um, being able to see your teammates, your friends, um, you know, you know, grow in the community and do well. Um, I know um, I had a little bit of success myself this weekend, and it was great sharing that with the teammates. Like if if I was by them myself, it wouldn't have meant as much. Um, but you know, just that that big that big group hug uh, after my stream game, you know, which, which we'll get into a little bit later, uh, was probably the my favorite portion of it. Um, uh, but. Yeah, things like that. That's what this Poke or what Pokemon um, TCG is all about to me, at least. For sure. All right, Chuck. Um, now it's your turn. Um, same kind of questions. Uh, what What were your meta matchups? Uh, what were you playing? Um, How did the day go for you? And uh, all that fun stuff. Your journey. Um, without getting uh, well, into specific. Well, my matchups. day was was I don't know. I'll sum it up in the word is okay. Uh, I finished four two three. Uh, not obviously good enough to make day two, uh, but you know, finished with a, only lost two games on the day, so um, I wasn't getting farmed. But um, I ran the gauntlet, as I would call it. Um, so, name a deck in the meta, I played it. Uh, <laughs> out of nine rounds, I played uh, seven different archetypes. And the two archetypes that I did play twice were different variations of said archetypes. So, um, I mean, I played a Mirai, like you, you name it, I played it. Gardi Gardevoir is the one I played quite one of the ones I played twice, and Chen Pao and Baxcalibur is one of the ones I played twice. Um, I myself was playing Chen Pao Baxcalibur with with a Palkia as a side attacker, not um. It featured Chen Pao. Chen Pao is, yeah, it, it's Chen Pao, mostly. Um, so, uh, the deck uh, probably was not, looking back, you know, hindsight always helps. Uh, probably not the best choice uh, for the week. Um, with the, I think the spike of maybe Maridons towards the later end of it didn't help. And Rapid Strike Urshifu... Not that it's horrible, wasn't like super fun for matchup either. Coming in a little bit higher, I think it, it was actually higher represented than Chin Pao Baxcalibur was uh, as mm -hmm. well. Um, so, um, but like it didn't really matter to me because I only played one of everything. But uh, it was just an uphill battle kind of the whole time. Uh, in that, uh, I didn't. It was really up to whether my deck ran hot or not which is what Chen Pao and Bax kind of does. And I came to accept by the end of the day. And um, yeah, so it ran hot four times and not two times. So yeah, um, yeah. but I mean, the, the meta is wide open out there as far as my tournament experience goes. You can play a bunch of different things and have a bunch of varied experiences. Um, um, I was curious of whether... Chen Pao was even consistent enough to make uh, a, a really high end finish, but then we see it in the top eight as well. Right. So it is um, just uh, 
sometimes you just don't run hot enough uh or or whatnot um i don't remember any kind of like glaring misplays that i made or throws in the game it's just sometimes you just can't draw cards and uh maybe there was a misplay like something i did wrong so that i put myself in that situation but hey, hey, yeah, looking back it's always it. hard especially over a long court or a long day nine rounds um i'm sure there's probably something in there it's not always super easy to identify um obviously some mistakes are bigger than others um so um, yeah i always feel like you like chen pao wants to push push for the knockout and get the ball rolling uh but sometimes when you push for those uh, you'll take that knockout, and if it doesn't put you into like a snowball roll, then and you get I don't know something knocked out in return that you just weren't expecting or something like that, you can struggle to kind of rebound. And for sure. um, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, but, but that was my experience. Pittsburgh was awesome. I yeah, Pittsburgh is super awesome. So. So I'm going to get into my run a little bit here. Um, I ended up going with um, Turbo Lost Box, um, my one big tech for the car or for the deck compared to most. I guess I don't know how big of it is. Was the Bravery Charm um, being able? It came in huge against um, you know Maridons, and I did see three of them throughout the day, uh, which you know helped me win those matchups. I went three zero against Maridons, felt pretty good. Um, aside from that, I saw two additional Lugias um, in day one. Uh, tied one and one against one um, still felt like it was a not the greatest matchup um, you know Tyranitar is just really kind of hard for Lost Box to deal with if it gets going um, did play against a, a almost an exact mirror match um, and then also played against um, uh, the Tina variant uh, so did pretty well uh, had a pretty good start I started my um my run at 5.01 going into the the seventh round, um, winning or going into my winning in on stream, which was my first stream game, uh, was playing against a Maridon. Um, and, you know, obviously you can get you guys can go um, watch the VODs or, or if you haven't already seen it. I felt like I played pretty well. There was one miss sequence in game two um, where I played the Mirage Gate earlier than i should have because i didn't put the seventh in there um which i ended up only getting a two price or not a two price i got a warning the reason they didn't give me a two price penalty is because i played uh my mirage gate and i already had all my vacuum in hand um to get that so what i did was i mirage gate uh to make sure that my energies were in there um and then instead of using my vacuum to get rid of his charm i used um you know i i did it out of sequence uh, they gave me a warning, um, but ended up not really getting punished for that and uh, ended up doing pretty well there. Um, but I feel like um, after my stream, um, I kind of got farmed because I did play against um, Andrew Hedrick, which he was playing another Lugia. Um, and although I made game three really close, um, he still took it. Uh, obviously a great player. Um, but where I feel like it really went downhill for me um, was my last round uh, in in day one, played against a Mew. Uh, definitely feel good against that deck, especially with Drapion. Game one went pretty handily for me. Game two, uh, I bricked. Uh, so game it was down to game three to try to get some bonus points. Um, and I, I could definitely tell that I was getting uh, mentally fatigued, physically fatigued throughout um, a nine-round day with playing Lost Box. 
um, and took the bait on a Mu V to take it out with Drapion, uh, which ultimately cost me in the game because he started uh, he got ahead of me on the prize races uh, where he can get that the, the mapping to six quicker than I could. Um, made a made a effort at the end to put my charm on to protect myself. Uh, he literally just needed um, you know the 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 two damage modifiers and he got it. Um, so good on him. I felt like I really got punished uh, for that misplay going into day two because I hit every single bad matchup I could. I've, I've played against um, Lugia twice, Rapid Strike, um, Urshifu, Inteleon, um, and then another, another Lugia. Um, and then I did play against Athena, uh, but then I, for some reason, uh, my deck decided to say Sableye, Attach, Pass, uh, two games in a row. Uh, and then I played against a flying Pikachu, which I didn't have a good start on. And it's like, uh, okay, um, the deck started to break out a little bit, but obviously um, there could have been plays in there too. Um, but it didn't help that I had a really horrible matchup. So I was a little bit on tilt because of that. But overall, um, Pittsburgh was great. All my opponents were great. There were I didn't have any uh, issues with anybody or anything like that. So it was still overall great experience, a learning experience somewhere I can hopefully grow on, um, make, you know, make a top 64 run like Colton did, or maybe even uh, 32 or beyond. Um, I just gotta, I gotta buckle down and, and do better day two so far. So in the two times I've got there, I've just done um, kind of average at best. So we're, we're trying to improve on that and, you know, we're, we're taking steps, but we'll get there. Yeah, I had to laugh because I think you you may have been the uh, you hit the one Pikachu B Max in day two. I I don't know how many there actually were, but I did yeah. not see a lot on the top tables there. So, uh, just unlucky yeah. on that one for sure. I I walked over at that uh, game because I think that was the one game that you were on like the end of a table, and I was like, oh, I can get a good look at this one. Fine. Yeah, you're like, oh, I don't <laughs> and, want a good look at this and, one. <laughs> and I walked over and I just saw an Arceus on the board and a Pikachu, and I just looked and I was like. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm not watching. Yeah, this the one. deck was a little clunky, <laughs> so I couldn't quite get the rope boss played off um and perfectly. So it, it is what it is, but um yeah, it was still a great experience. Um, like I said. Um, but besides that, I want to kind of go uh, beyond that a little bit um and talk a little bit more about the venue. Um, because we you know, all of us have been to other regionals. How and try to stay out the, the bias, or after I think we're gonna still have bias, but uh how did the Pittsburgh um you know, venue compared to any of the other ones. Uh, I mean, I think in my personal experience, I, I it's the first venue for me. I don't know what everyone else's parking experience was. I don't know if people chose not to try and park at the the garage attached to the convention center or not, but it always had room even on Sunday, like later in the day. Right. Um, so like and it wasn't overly expensive i don't know for parking downtown in the city uh and it was just very convenient and uh the part so for me parking was convenient i think the the convention center itself fairly easy to get to um uh, and like getting around in general was like spacious i think we had a lot of room i think there was even you could have arguably done more with that so um it, it but everything was spaced out the tournament was uh, ran okay uh it, it, i mean think it went smooth uh early in the day it felt like rounds in between rounds took forever 
Um, don't know the cause behind that besides maybe some timed games. It was, going yeah, it was probably longer. some time games. Um, but uh, yeah, I, and then there was food there, but I never got to use it. You try it, so you guys have to tell right. me if that was good or not. But yeah, I, food I was, think it was food great. Was average. I I personally it was my favorite venue I've went to of all the places I would want to go back to. Um, like I think Indianapolis was the only other one that was as spacious as I like that one. Um, when we were there, I think it was Indianapolis. Yeah, that um, was big. That was a big one. Um, just this this space was there, but I will say I don't think. This is one thing I don't I don't think Pokemon players, at least the male half of Pokemon players, know how to use a bathroom without being complete <laughs> mess about it. Right. So they're at math the bathrooms are always a mess. At every single one of these I go to, they're always a mess. So I you just, just got I, you I had to use the bathrooms the... out in the lobby, man. You just need to get out of the actual yeah. like well that was everybody the, was like crowding the, those ones. The bonus was that like we knew this convention I knew this convention center, so we know where the the hidden ones, like people that don't know where they are, right? So you, we could use those, but like sometimes you know when you go to one just in a, you got to be quick. You go to the closest one, and it's just I just blame it on the people now. So it's just it, it's not the it. I don't blame it on any convention center now. It's just the people. Yeah, do better, <laughs> Colton. How about you? Uh, how did you feel the venue was, um, and how how do you rank it up there? Yeah. Um. I mean, I agree for the most part with what was said. I, I think um, being non-biased, of course, I, I asked most of my opponents after the matches, like how they were enjoying Pittsburgh, you know, as a local, of course. And I was always hoping for a good response because, uh, in my opinion, if there's good feedback about a regional, then maybe they will, you know, consider coming back. And of course, I would like that because I absolutely loved having a local regional. Um, but to to remain unbiased, I, I think. The bathrooms were certainly a complaint. Um, you know, I think I heard I, I brought my own drinks and food and stuff, but I, I, I did hear uh, several complaints about there not being like water fountains or uh, very right. many, if any at all. Functional, there was there was uh, one in like the back corner. Uh, okay. It was yeah. hard to find. Right. Yeah. Maybe nobody even knew about it. But yeah, that, that was one complaint that I heard from a couple people like, where do I get a drink? You know, other than waiting in line for the concessions. Uh, space I can attest to was, um, you know, more more than what we are typically used to. And one thing that I found interesting is that um, sometimes the vendors are in like side rooms outside of the main tournament area. This one, all of the vendors were in there as well as all of TCG, all of VGC, all of Go. And it did feel like I was never on top of somebody. I was never like trying to get to my table and like running into people through the lanes and stuff like that. There was so much space you know, compared to other regionals. And then if you were to leave the hall, it felt like a very, you know, you could go out there and socialize. You could go out there, you could enjoy the view, you'd have room and you wouldn't be talking over people. You wouldn't have to scream or anything like that. Um, you know, there was a lot of room. And whenever you, you know, shove, well, we had 2,100 TCG players throughout all divisions. So I can only imagine there was like, what, 700 VGC players, maybe a couple less for go. Like, I would imagine there was probably... 3,000 plus people in there, uh, at least on day one. Um, and it didn't feel like that. So that was good. Yeah. Um, tournament ran, like Chuck said, it, and and as we get more people going to these tournaments, of course, I think this was the largest regional to date. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to, to function very smoothly in the beginning. 
uh, and then as people start dropping, you know, you know, it'll be less people and the, and the rounds will be able to be entered sooner. Um, I was curious. So I was looking at a lot of feedback on like uh, Twitter and people were saying that some of the match slips for games that went to time uh, took a little bit longer to get back to where they need to go. And this is not to blame any judges or anything. Cause of course I appreciate what they do for us as players, but I think on the way back from collecting match slips from matches that went to time, they got distracted by other questions, other people, and like they didn't get them to right. deposit, you know, in time or in a in a timely manner. And I think that's the general feedback that I was seeing on why round pairings took so long in between, and perhaps why it got faster as we went. Um, but I, I mean, overall, very 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 well run tournament. Um, and then one thing, the last thing that I'll say, um, I did see feedback, and this isn't Pittsburgh unique, but it makes me happy to see is that, and, and you, whenever you were talking about your stream match, it actually made me think about this and, and how you Mirage gated. I didn't actually get to watch your stream match. Of course I was playing, so I'll have to go back and watch it. But I think you searched your deck off the Mirage gate whenever you had six. Mm -hmm. And I think somebody told me that you had, you forced sealed stone for the vacuum and you were, you know, going, getting ready to play the vacuum, assuming you would have seven after that point. Right. And I think their reasoning to give you a warning was you had just searched your deck. You have the card to make seven. So therefore, you can amend it without changing any of the game state. Right. And and in in the past, and I think in most scenarios, that would be a double prize penalty because you I technically Ill illegally searched your deck. I but, was fully expecting it to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and and the feedback that I was seeing is that judges were doing a better job at letting people play the game and and, and amending game states that were were repairable and not ruining the game or the chance of winning that game for the person who made a very very minor error or something that could be easily fixed well, we, and i we think even that's... saw an example of that in the top four uh i forget who it was but he um i would think it was an iono and he shuffled his hand in his deck uh, when he was um when he double supported or something like that and then he already shuffled but they because it was on video that they were able to Give them a two prize penalty, but it wasn't an automatic game loss because they were trying yeah, to make sure which, that the players resolved it themselves. So I yeah. do appreciate that when you have the the technology that you can repair those kind of game states in general. I think it's I think it's fair. I guess I, I mean I mean I, I might be a little biased because it, it helps me, uh, yeah. but I think if my opponent had the same, if it, it was the you know the, the the tables were turned against me um, in that situation, I wouldn't have it problem with it uh, no you never want to win a match like because it doesn't feel good for either player you don't want to win a match with a double prize penalty and you don't want to be given a double prize penalty but i understand why they exist but i also and i think that's just probably one of the greatest feedbacks i have for this tournament and it didn't it didn't impact me but i see people talking about it and that makes me happy because that's the way that it should be like right it's the spirit yeah. of the game kind of a thing and, and if yeah. it's repairable it's repairable so yeah yeah you hate the I like seeing games end uh, via the competition, not not because of a simple mistake or something like that. Like that yeah. So not not Pittsburgh unique. Uh, of course, you know, hoping and praying that Pittsburgh maintains a regional status, and, and we, you know yeah. we can have a local like that. But um, I, everybody I talked to it seemed to be enjoying the city. Um, seemed to be enjoying the the tournament. And um, all my opponents, like I said, were, were really, really nice. And it was fun to be a local for once and be like, oh, you know, you could try this after the tournament or you can right. go here or whatever. So very easy to make small talk and meet new people. And it, it was great.
Very cool. Uh, I guess the one thing I want to add where you guys both didn't, and I, I, you know, mirror everything you both said, uh, was the chairs. The chairs were probably the most superior chairs I've had <laughs> at any regionals, especially you, Toronto, looking at you. Um, every other one is, you know, average, but like uh, Toronto was absolutely abysmal. But uh, Pittsburgh <laughs> had the nicest chairs for sure, the the most comfortable to sit on. So I did appreciate that over, a, you know, a, a nine round tournament. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask, I'm just going to ask the room because no one brought it up. What did, uh, and I've seen feedback on this on Twitter as well. What did we think of the no lunch break throughout the day? I'm I'm fine with it. Um, if you come to regionals, be prepared, have some kind of snacks. It just makes everything more streamlined. You get out of there earlier. Um, it's already a long day. Uh, you don't need an hour, 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah. as I don't know if it was for Pittsburgh. I, I have the same opinion, but I, my, the only like little asterisk that I would add to that is if you're not going to have a lunch break, it should be known in advance. It shouldn't be announced at 8 a.m. on on Saturday. Also, because... I guess, and I've seen this at other vendors uh, or other venues, the vendors need to stay open later <laughs> because sometimes you just don't have a chance to get food if, if you didn't. Yeah, no. And, and that's the thing, too, because like there out of nine rounds, there will most likely be a round especially whenever it takes 20 minutes to pair in between rounds that you will have time to eat, but not necessarily have time to go get food and eat. So right. like, as long as they announce before the tournament that there's not going to be a lunch break, then people can come prepared with a packed lunch or bring food from outside and be ready to just quickly eat and get, you know, cause people need to eat of course. And, and there's, right. you know, whatever, whether you have a health concern or anything like that, or you just don't do well on an empty stomach, like, you just you have more time to prepare. So again, I don't know if they announced that there would be no lunch break before the tournament, but I, I think that would be the only thing that I would quote unquote require if they were going to remove the lunch break is that they announce it. But I do I do like not having one because it keeps things moving. Sure. Yeah. All right. With that, uh, I think we're going to move go into the top. We're already almost at an hour. I think it's the longest it's taken us to pull over into the pit stop. So I think we need to get there. I must be chatty. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's a good thing. Uh, we definitely want to represent the, you know, what happened at the Pittsburgh regionals, but it's time to take that mid show break and pull into the pit stop. So Chuck, you know how this works. We're going to start with trivia. Do you want to start today or you want me to? It's Okay. So I have a unique one here. Hopefully it's not, um, super obvious. Um, so we're going to play guess that Pokemon this attack or ability belongs to. It is standard as per the usual. And today's Pokemon attack is finest selection. What? Finest? F-I-N-E-S-T? Finest? Yes. yes. Hmm. It's standard legal. So um, I will give you, um, you know, its stage, its set, and what type it is if you need lifelines. Um, and you and Chuck are working together. So this, yeah, I, I mean, I would like I, a lifeline for sure. Um, do we get to pick I, which one first? I need something because I have no idea. <laughs> okay, so the first off, I will let you know it is a colorless type Pokemon. See, I was kind of thinking that, like, finest selection in my head. It's just like, I don't know. 
it, it felt like a color. So I don't know why my mind immediately went to like Chansey and I don't even think we have, uh, we do have a Pokemon Go Chansey, but I don't think it's that. But for some reason, my mind immediately went to a colorless Pokemon. Um, could it possibly be an Eevee? It could I be. Remember, I mean, I don't remember. Th there's there's a new Eevee, and I don't remember re seeing any of it at all. I mean, selecting the different types of evolutions, it could it could be, but and it's an like attack. Yeah. So it probably like maybe evolves itself or can get the thing that I don't. I picked uh, a good one. I, I picked have... a good one. <laughs> yeah, Definitely, you picked a good yeah. one. I don't. I need a little bit more. All right, yeah, it is much. a stage one. All right, so, so not an Eevee. <laughs> not an Eevee. Not a chance. Could be. Could be a Blissey. But why? Like, why would it? What? What normal colorless Pokemon selects? It ain't. It ain't combat. Stage we're, one. So, we're okay, not flower stage selecting. Stage one. Fine. <laughs> selecting colorless things. Um, Pelipper. We did Pelipper before, so you wouldn't do that again. Um, there's the. Is there any a bird? Bird that would do this? There's tons of birds, but <laughs> I don't know. I might have to go all the way with the lifelines, but I don't even know if a set's going to help me on this one. I but... will give you the set, and that's Obsidian Flames. All right. Uh, so. Oh wow, that's new. Um, it's brand new. There's Pidgeot, colorless. There's. I have a stack of Obsidian Flame colors. <laughs> don't reserve. So that's about the that's actually look. interesting that you say Pidgeot though, because Quick Search is Pidgeot, and of course we all know that one because it's used, but nobody would ever see Pidgeotto, who would be finally selecting not quickly I'm, searching. I'm willing to lock that in. <laughs> I, I don't know of another good stage one colorless Pokemon without cheating at this with this stack of Pokemon cards. Nobody said it was good. <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah it's please just, don't cheat. <laughs> I think that's like a good enough that's enough context clues for me. Because like I said, quick search, you're selecting and nobody would ever see Pidgeotto because we're not running the one 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 of that. We're doing the rare candy straight through. So right. Yeah, I, I would be fine with guessing that. Is that what you both are locking in? <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, I love the the uh, the strategy and the you know the thought process there, but that is everybody's favorite stage one Oinkalum. Ah, okay. <laughs> so it's finest selection. One of the, one of the Pokemon uh, I'll forget even yep. exists. <laughs> For two colorless, flip three coins. Uh, put a number of cards um, up to the number of heads uh, from your discard pile into your hand. So kind of a VS Seeker, right. but it's an attack. Um, probably will never see play. If it ever had a chance, it would be in some kind of stall control deck, I would think. But even at that, um, still probably not strong enough. All right. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm, I don't think I would have ever got that in any world. Nope. I, I scoured. <laughs> I scoured my bulk here for some something good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, this one actually uh, seems pretty good. All right. Well, I guess that makes it my turn now. Yes. And... Um... My mine is going to be a little nod to something later in the news, uh, but uh, so there's your first hints. hint hints, right? And all kinds of hint. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, this uh, Pokemon, we're going to guess Pokemon. I didn't earn any packs, so uh, I didn't, I don't have one to open to guess the hit, but uh, I'm going to give you an attack name and you have to guess the Pokemon, and I'll give you the same hints that Jake gave, uh, gave as well. Uh, Colton, you are working together with Jake on this one now. So, all right, 
the attack name is Astral Misfortune. Oh my god. That's standard legal? Standard isn't, legal. isn't that like Shadow Rider V? No, that's isn't... that's no. Wasn't was that Astral Misfortune? No, that's um I thought that was like Mist or something like the first attack on Shadow Rider V, the one, yeah, that, like, the one that would yeah. like take 50 and 50 or something like that. Yeah, I think that's something to do with Mist. I could be wrong. Astral reason, Misfortune, yeah, that makes me think of uh, this is an attack, correct? Is that what you said? Yeah, this is correct. An attack, it makes me think of Miss Magius. Mm. In like, I think there's a Miss Magius that like maybe does some, some form of spread or something like that. that is not doing anything right now, but yeah. that's what that's where my head goes. At well, first, he did but... say that it was a nod to something coming up. Um, ooh, could it be? Could it be Mawile? Did Mawile ever have an astral misfortune? I don't know that there's anything astral about mm, a Mawile. Maybe I'm just thinking. Okay, I guess what what is what type is it? It is a steel type. Steel oh, type. See, okay. it could be. I guess. <laughs> um. Astral misfortune, hmm. a nod to the news, which was a preliminary hint. Steel type. No, um, maybe Azamazenta. What? What stage is it? It is a basic Pokemon. Steel basic. I mean, one of the dogs, maybe, right? Azamazenta or it could be. Yeah. It could be. I mean, Mawile is also not out of the question, so I, I would hate to say no to you now because we're getting closer and closer to Mawile, but I just right, don't right, think right. that sounds right. Hmm. I guess we'll just have to go all the way here because I'm not 100% confident. Yeah, um, what's the set? What's the set? It is in Silver Tempest. It has to be Zamazenta then. Zamazenta was in that set, right? Was that the set it came out? Zamazenta was in Crown Zenith. Oh, crap. The, are you talking about the one that's like sometimes? Yeah, the one Box. that was played in Lost Box for a little while. Yeah. No, that was in Crown Zenith. Astral Misfortune. Man, I'm I know yeah. I've seen this attack being used before. I can draw I can I can give you a I can read well, no, anything else I give you a hint off of this card. <laughs> so I don't oh, I don't think I have brother, I don't I mean, what's coming out then? Before we just completely, uh, you know, waste too much time. What is coming out in the new set? And we're talking maybe one fifty one cards. Yeah, I mean, there's one fifty one. There's also like the paradox cards. Oh wait, 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 no, 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 no. I know what it is. I know what it is. <laughs> Jirachi, because I played against it this weekend. Uh... It, it had the yes, it's Jirachi. It was Jirachi Amazing Rare, not Amazing Rare. I'm sorry. Uh, the uh, yeah, that's amazing, rare, right? Not amazing, rare. Well, not, was, no, no, radiant, radiant, radiant Jirachi. Oh, yes, it's radiant Jirachi. That makes, that makes sense. Man pulls it out of his hat. And yeah. No, because <laughs> I literally played it against that against in that Pikachu. Ninth <laughs> inning, bottom of the ninth. I knew I saw that recently. <laughs> that was in the Pikachu deck you played. Yeah, I was playing against it in the the Pikachu deck, and um, uh, and I was like, oh, I can't take knockout on this because it'll just take boss for a win. And so I was like, okay, I have to guess it and like take it out at the, on the bench. <laughs> so, uh, side fact for both Jirachi, of you, baby. <laughs> thinking Shadow Rider, you are both correct. 
Shadow Rider has two attacks on his hit card. One is called Shadow Mist. The other is Astral Barrage. Okay, so, uh, so Shadow Mist was the one that's actually used. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Shadow Mist. Was, oh no. Uh, so Shadow Mist was you is is the more popular one that is used now because it prevents you from using stadiums or special energies from your hand. Yeah. Astral Barrage was awesome upon release because it made rap. Well, I only remember because it made Rapid Strike Malamar in, unplayable because you just killed Incase. Oh, right. oh that was that one. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. On two different Pokemon. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, no, that's cool. I, I'm glad, actually, my Pokemon knowledge uh, is, is starting to help. I think the, <laughs> the hint that gave it away was the the new set coming out, because I knew Jirachi was supposed to be pretty good coming out uh, before Iron Threads uh, was announced, uh, where it would be uh, effective. So, yeah, good one, though. All right. All right, so we're well, going to jump on to who will win. Yeah, um, and, and I... It's my turn. Is it your? Oh, good. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yes. Yeah. Last <laughs> week you did the you did the one v one v one. Remember? So this one, this one again. Remember, it, there's no there's no type advantage here. It's just straight off of who you think would win. Um, and you know, there was a lot of Lugia in play, so that inspired me to pick Lugia. Um, and when you say Lugia, you have to go Ho Oh, right? Uh, so who would win, Lugia versus Ho Oh? No type advantage. No type advantage. Um, well, that's that's easy. Steve, I got you. Ho oh, oh. <laughs> I might have to go the other way. Um, I think Lugia. Right, I think Lugia does too. Um, I guess the reasoning I would say Lugia over anything is I feel like he's more cooperative, I guess, and and willing to work with others. And I guess Ho oh is more of a, a lone wolf that, um doesn't really interact and i think lugia would just have the experience going into the fight you know as a team even though in, in this specific fight uh wouldn't have his team's back but much like our team where we uh collaborate before the fights happen uh that's where lugia gets that advantage uh where ho was just going to be lone wolf uh bring his own 60 to the deck uh <laughs> when lugia is a little bit more refined with a little bit more of a group effort that's just my my take on it i think i was going purely based on aesthetics of the pokemon because i think like i look at lugia and like he doesn't have very many like visible like feathers it's just he's like one big bulky sea bird right and then ho-oh looks like a turkey like a feathery turkey that would just get polarized by this (laughs) like dense seabird lugia right all right, Chuck. You got to You got to have Steve the Goods back here. Oh yeah, Steve's you know, not oh, gonna like that. No, he's he's not, not gonna I, like I, I need to like get on the phone and have Steve give me all kinds of good things. But uh, I'm I'm definitely I'm I'm looking it up right now just because I need to give some I need to spit some facts. But it's definitely not a turkey. You know, <laughs> and, he, and he's no, he's a he's phoenix, got the, right? the 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 yeah, like the rainbow esque uh, wings and and tail going on too, like. I don't know. I, I, I mean, we don't have type advantage. Not that it would matter. Like, they're both flying. They're both... One's fire, one's water, I guess. That would be there bad. Would be like, oh. to psychic um, but... Um, he's also, like, how was like, the phoenix. Like, kind of like, like the phoenix symbol. So, like, he's... You can't keep him down. He's gonna come back and get you. Unless, unless you know... 
there's no taking hold down, even no matter how hard you try, no matter how good like you think Lugia may be. Ho is just undefeatable because he's the Phoenix. <laughs> he'll rise again. Rise I mean, I guess he'll come, come back, back eventually, but that doesn't mean it's a fight to the death necessarily. He'll still win the fight. Ho will go, go down, but then come back up. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I think yeah, I think Steve's not gonna is, I don't know. Yeah, Steve, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm us. not giving a good argument for Ho because <laughs> I don't know a bunch of Ho facts off the top of my head. I just know Ho is the better of the two birds. That's all. All I That's know the is fact I know. I'm gonna regret calling Ho a turkey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Next we time got... <laughs> I'm at Steve's store, I'm not gonna. He won't let me through the door. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, with that being said, we're gonna take a quick break and get a word from our sponsors. The Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast is brought to you by Sports Car Junction. Located in the North Hills of Pittsburgh, Sports Car Junction is a one-stop shop for players and collectors with a wide variety of singles, supplies, packs, and boxes available in-store and online at sportscarjunction.com. And don't forget to check out our weekly league Thursdays at 6.30. All right, and we are back. Thanks again to Sports Car Junction for being an awesome sp- sponsor to the cast. Uh, always appreciate uh, you guys be, uh, helping us out and sponsoring the cast. So, with that said, it is now time to get into the news. And uh, we have a whole lot of reveals this week, but uh, we're going to boil it down to the top two because I think we're going to have a little bit of talking about these two mm-hmm. um, because. They are already hitting hitting the internet with Storm. Uh, and we're going to go with the nod that I uh, my whole trivia question was about. Uh, the first one to talk about is uh, the Jirachi that has been uh, spoiled. Uh, another metal-type Jirachi, a basic Pokemon, but comes with a very important ability in this day and age called Stellar Veil. Um, attack, this ability does says attacks from your opponent's basic Pokemon can't put damage counters on your benched Pokemon. So, hey, Sableye, this gives it the finger, (laughs) pretty much. Like, uh, you can't Sableye me. Uh, So, uh, it does have an attack, charge energy, search your deck for two basic energy cards, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your deck. Useful if you have to, you know, start it and it stays in the active and you want to get some energy cards. Uh, Useful in a deck, but uh, that main ability, that veil, um, that is going to protect you from Sableye. So uh, we might have some life for decks that basically get wrecked by Sableye now. So, Colton, you wanna you wanna be the first to uh, give your opinion on this? Um, I think it's a good card. Um, as a Lost Box player, I think it's necessary. I, I can acknowledge that Sableye is uh, oppressive to a lot of decks. Um. I don't know if it's what we need. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's what will, you know, be the end of Lost Box, the end of Sableye, simply because Lost Box has Greninja. So you need, and I think everybody knows this, you need two bench spaces to fully protect yourself from the threat that this would be used for. So right. if you only bench Jirachi to protect yourself from Sableye, then they will just Greninja it to kill it and then they will continue to save by you um if you only bench manaphy then they will do what they have been doing for the past since lost origins right um and they'll just you know save by everything 
So you do need to take up two bench spaces with these protective Pokemon and in a meta filled with uh, Gardevoir, Lost Box, Charizard, Chien Pao, Miraidon, Mew. They they don't have room for that. Lugia, n n none of the decks have, they all have their five bench spots figured out. Um, and it is sometimes even hard to allow space for Manaphy in that. So um, it's a very good card. Uh, and, I, and I don't want to take that away from it, but um, it it's, I don't think it's going to end the quote-unquote problem that some people have, you know, with Sableye. Right. Like, I, I've been saying we needed a card like this for a little bit of time, um, but I was kind of disappointed it came in a, at a Pokemon uh, for the very reasons you said, uh, because your bench space is so um, already kind of taken by every other um, card, depending on the deck you need to play. Um, it, I think it would have been better suited if it was a stadium. Um, being able to play a stadium war that was something that wasn't necessarily just path to the peak um, to really make, if it was going to be good against, you know, Lost Zone, um, you know, sometimes they can't find the stadium or if they flower select or Colrus um, and have that in there, it might just be another difficult decision for them. Do they want to be able to, um, you know, damage counters or they, you know, or they need those consistency cards to find whatever piece they were. Uh, so I think it would have been, if they were trying to, slow down lost box i think it would have been better suited to be a stadium so i'm a little bit upset on that um it's just you know as a game balance um you know mechanic at least in my eyes chuck i don't know what do you think uh, i mean i feel like the stadium the, the state i've heard the stadium argument i'm not a huge fan of it it would be a little bit better than the i think than drachi as a whole because you are worried about bench space on this um but uh the stadium i feel like you just it just gets bumped i mean it can but it's not necessary like it's yeah. not necessary but it is it's very it's a very simple fix for the 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 lost box player to still be able to use sableye to great effect and and but to me i feel like if they would have just put jirachi Maybe not even use Jirachi because Jirachi is typically a, a lower HP Pokemon. But if the Pokemon they put this on had 100 HP, um, I think it work. It would work because then you can choose Manaphy or Jirachi, and the Jirachi would not just get instantly killed by Greninja. It would still need the same effect of a Holuchic play to necessarily get done on the mm -hmm. same turn. Which then you're asking a little bit more out of the player to actually, it's not putting it out of the realm of possibility, but it's making the the, the play a little bit harder, and um, you like the deck might not crumble to Greninja, but the decks that crumble to uh, Sableye, Sableye uh, are much like you might be able to actually still be played. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, again, it just comes down to bench space to me, because um, those decks that want to play that um, opposing Lost Box or or any kind of weird setup deck that um, that's just not seeing you know meta relevance because of Sableye, um, those decks typically want to fill their uh, their bench with the the consistency Pokemon, um, you know, like the Curlias, um, if it's like a yeah. uh, potentially like a Zoroark or something like that. Like th that's not going to benefit. Like a deck like that wouldn't benefit from Jirachi 
um, because it wants this bench space. You need to get at least two Zora arcs and probably two, um, you know, additional poke or, uh, you know, Curly is probably also a switch out kind of card. Um, so deck space is tight. Um, plus, as obviously, you need to um, potentially protect from Greninja too, like I said. So you're never going to get, um, you know, six on the bench unless they make another a stadium that <laughs> allows you to have more. Uh, and then you make different decisions there. So um, a little underwhelmed, I guess. Bring back Skyfield. Let's go. Right. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the next uh, big right. one uh, that the next Twitter's one been talking that's, about. That's putting next. fear in everybody's... Uh, basket i'm trying to find it right here is iron hands ex uh lightning type 210 basic pokemon that is a future type pokemon comes equipped with two attacks uh the first one is not the one that everyone's worried about but it's lightning <laughs> lightning colorless arm press 160 damage the second one is the one that everyone is kind of salivating or shaking in their boots about for a lightning and three colorless, so lightning or energy. Um, strength amplifier, 120 damage. If your opponent's active Pokemon is knocked out by damage from this attack, take one additional prize card. So, for a lot of energy, where Stoutland is like back, but maybe easier because I don't know, it's 120 damage. And I think that I know we, Pokemon for I know we only wanted to talk about two big new cards, but I think it is very important to mention the sidekick to this card is the future booster energy capsule. I was um, gonna say, um, yeah, so just the I can read that off too. Uh, yeah, so go the for future it. the the future booster energy capsule is an item. Uh, I think we've you you probably seen this as spoiled as the art, but we know what the the whole wording is. Uh, this card, uh, the future Pokemon that this card is attached to has no retreat cost, and its attacks it uses do 20 more damage to your opponent's active Pokemon before applying weakness and resistance. So, like Colton said, the, the big thing that this thing can do is now that this Iron Hands, which has 4 retreat, has no retreat, and its attack that does 120 damage does 140 damage, and is, like I said, a lightning Pokemon. So, uh, what, what do we have this week to lightning right now? And then uh, uh, a lot of things. <laughs> uh, a lot Lugia, of things. Pidgeot. Lugia, Pidgeot. Oh, wait. What is 140 times 2? 280. Let's make a three prize Lugia. Let's make a three prize Luminion. Pidgeot. Okay. Three prize Luminion. Three prize Palkia. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, two <laughs> prize continues. Sableye. Two prize Comfey. Uh I definitely think this, this will shape the meta to start um because obviously we've seen these effects um some greater than others obviously adp was um you know a similar effect with the extra prizes kind of a oppressive deck um did hit for a little bit more um than this does uh we've seen stoutland have its chance in in the in the lugia deck with the radiant version being able to charge it up um and, and do extra damage um but we've also seen cards like uh, Greedent VMAX uh, that took two extra prizes. Obviously, it was a lower HP count, um, not have as much success. Um, to me, I feel like this will make people adjust what their meta decks are going to be. And initially, it will probably push down some of the um, you know lost boxes of the world or whatnot. Um, 
but I think this deck is not necessarily as oppressive as ADP is going to be. I think it, it might end up being just mid over the, the course of its life. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, you say like this this deck, so I don't know if you just mean like Maridon, because like I mean, that's initially it's going to go with Maridon yeah. with like a you know, basically with a Flaffy and, and the and the um, why am I missing the the, the energy? Yeah, the generators. Um, but once we get rotation, we're going to lose Flaffy. So it was going to rely on just just generators. Uh, we've seen those completely whiff. We've it's a very swingy card. Sometimes it will hit two. Sometimes it'll hit none. Um, so you're still going to need two generators to get it going unless you had a turn set up beforehand, um, you know, to just drop and attach. Um, you're going to need a, a generator to hit two and a generator to hit one plus the attach plus a retreat out. Currently, uh, with the Flaffy, you're going to just need one to hit two. Um, it's definitely yeah. very dangerous and something to be respected that can change the meta, but I don't necessarily think it's as bad as everybody's making it out the same well well it has a potential for problems and these are the these are the things that i will mention so uh in in general i mean we have uh, this is the highest i've seen damage output wise of the take an extra prize attack yeah um, with no modifiers for sure with no modifiers but it has a modifier in general uh that is specific kind of for it so which it hits a, a big number. The retreat cost is also mitigated, so it doesn't really matter on that. So even though like boss stalling it really doesn't necessarily give it a big huge issue. But my biggest thing is the attack cost in general of only one lightning. So mm -hmm. that's true. Uh, you can play this in uh, anything with a luminous yeah. energy and just knock out something for an extra price. You can put this in Chen Pao, Backscalibur, put it in a Luminous Energy, accelerate three waters to it, attach that Luminous, and then opposing uh, a, a, a Palkia for three prizes if you want, or or whatever you would like. The flexibility of where Iron Hands can go is the problem. Like, it, it's one thing if it's like specifically in like Maridon, and you're like, okay, this is. I have to worry about this extra prize deck now. Right. Like it's that it's its own thing. I just think that you could put this in a lot of different places and and still be able to basically trigger the attack because of how much energy acceleration we have going on. I mean, you could put this in Gardevoir and well, you can't accelerate to it because it's not psychic. Gardevoir, I read the yeah. card right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you read the in card. my head. <laughs> but uh I mean you could have it can go uh, in, you in Lugia, still, you can it can go in Lost Box, pull it, off it can go in Charizard. Yeah. yeah, I can go in all there's of those. The, it's, there's a number yeah. of decks, and, and I agree with you that that is the main problem. Um, but I think, so I'll, I'll go in the middle. I, the, the card is good, and that's undeniable, but I don't know. All of these decks need to dedicate a lot of resources to get, yeah. at the end of the day, four energy on that card. Now, maybe the one that is the less resource intensive would be Qian Pao. Uh, but you do still have to find a way to get some sort of lightning energy, whether that be energy search to find an actual lightning, or if you're running luminous or something like that, like that's going to be the problem in Qian Pao is finding the lightning, not necessarily getting the energy, but like in lost box decks, it's going to be, how are you going to get four energy on it? Usually it's three that we need in lost box. Four yeah. is a little bit harder. Um, and then you're also losing those energy. If it gets retaliate knocked out, 
Yeah, and uh, it, it does only have 230 HP, which, um, you know, is nothing to scoff at. But, you know, any of these basic bees that are in there can take knockouts. And it's not taking knockouts to the current, um, you know, some obviously the ones that are weak to it. But all the other meta relevant, um, you know, V attackers, uh, V stars and stuff like that, um, not taking one shots um, and can be knocked out by most of those guys. Um, so that might keep it down to We'll see. Um I'm going to hold off judgment for sure because I feel like it has to either be like super broken or not really that playable. Yeah, it's definitely going to it's going to be one of those. uh, It's like we are overestimating the ability of this card or it is we are dead on. It's like (laughs) it's it's too broken or it's just not good. It's terrible. Right. Right. So hopefully it's somewhere closer to the bottom one because um yeah, I like I like I would like to see decks that are single prize decks still be able to flourish in cards like this. Um we've seen kind of just a press. I mean, we've seen it with Sableye, we saw it with ADP. We we you know, we we want those single prizers in there to keep the game healthy, I guess, and balanced. Well, I, it's it, it's even it's it's the those single prize decks and, and I want the evolutions to flourish. Like I want to see stage ones and stage twos that can that can be in the game, even if they result in being an EX, like a Gardevoir EX or a Tyranitar EX, but you can't just, you know, pick off the things that you need to put down to make these cards happen, like, and make them be the same value of prizes as what you're not even getting to. So, but Agreed. that will sum up that conversation. Uh, we'll leave the rest of that to Twitter. Sure, it's still going on there. Oh yeah, so, oh yeah. So, um, with that being said, I think that will do it for the news. We're going to jump into our next segment. Um, and since Colton is here joining us, he can kind of jump in. Um, we've been obviously um, since the season has started, we've been doing a triple C, uh, triple P uh, season watch, kind of where we are currently with points, um, what we are kind of looking forward to in the next week or two as far as potential points. Um, and kind of uh, maybe what decks that we are still kind of on or thinking about. So, Chuck, I always like to start it with you. So I'm going to still stay with that. Um, Chuck, where are you at right now? Um, well, my events are winding down for my first two-month period of what I had scheduled. I, uh, I have to look at, look at my calendar, but I may have one more to go to um, in the month of September. Uh, so... Uh, a few weeks back, I hit that set that goal of I would like to be close to 200 points. I am currently sitting at 25, so I'm a little bit far off of my goal. So the points are a little bit harder to come by for me. Um, uh, the only thing I did for points was obviously compete at the regional. Uh, I got a record that could get points but did not get points uh, due to resistance. So um, left with zero. Mm-hmm. Um, just. Just kind of, you know, at this point, uh, just keep chugging along, kind of keep the train moving, uh, keep attempting to get points, and hopefully they will come at one point in time. But uh, they are struggling to come for me. So you'll get there. I know you will. Um, I mean, locals, there's still plenty of time for the cups and challenges to get your points off that. Um, I would say just like really just um, double down. Uh, I and, do have, you know, I do have a challenge on Friday. So. There we go. So there's still point uh, opportunity there. Um, it, it, you know, like I said, um, you still play good enough to get points at regionals. 
Um, so you just, you know, just double down and, you know, the regionals is where it's going to really make or break, I think, overall your season. So um, still in a really good spot. It's still, you know, early. Um, so not no time to panic at this point. Yeah, you say that. <laughs> I mean, I say that, but points. I still, pun- I, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I, it, it, you know, I'm here for you. We'll get you there. We'll get you there. I'm still panicked. Like, do I need to go to EUIC or anything like that for extra points? Um, but uh, what deck are you are you off of Chen Pao now? Or are you thinking to lean back towards something else? Um, I, I'm gonna see where. Look, I like Chen Pao as a deck. Um, but uh, my consensus with Chen Pao, the deck runs, it runs hot or it doesn't. Uh, it can beat anything or it can't. Like it's very, uh, it's very hot or cold. Like you get the card you need and you kind of snowball to victory or you don't. And it's a struggle for victory, or you just lose. So I like that kind of. Uh, I, I kind of like that kind of nature of the deck. I kind of don't because I'm not scared of anything in particular. But Passive I can piece. I can also be scared of anything in particular, just depending on how the cards fall. Um, so I am gonna lean off of that a little bit, and I think I'm gonna go back to the comfort zone of Lost Zone. I just don't know what yet, whether it's. I'm not going to go right back to Sable Zard, whether it's Turbo Lost Box or even maybe a Tina variant. I mean, Colton uh, I did might... better than me, so go to go to Tina. <laughs> well, I'm going to try out my... I don't like building anything conventionally. So I think I'm going to try out an unconventional build of Tina and see how it does and see how inconsistent it is. Uh, go from there. Because... Uh, mm-hmm. I've played a lot of Turbo Lost Box in the past as well. I, I can feel like I could go back to that with a little less lead time. Um, basically just tweak to, to the right cards that currently need and then get a little of the rust off and be able to execute. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to try the Tina out for, I think, for a little bit. Yeah, fair points. All right, so Colton, uh, how about you? Uh, where, where are you standing at this point? Um, and what's your season looking like? Um, it's, I mean, the, the tournaments that I've gone to four points have all for the most part gone pretty, pretty well. Um, I've been to two cups. I've been to three, three challenges, um, and one regional. I think it was three challenges. I'm not a hundred percent certain. I think it was, um, I, the challenges actually have presented the most difficulty for me. Uh, maybe it's because you only get points if you're top four right uh in most of them if not all of them but so two cups i got top eight in uh 25 points each for a total of 50 uh only placed in one challenge uh that was top four no that was yeah that was top four for 10 points and then the regional that just happened in pittsburgh i did get somehow uh top 64 bubbled highest 30 point um placement out of the whole whole gang um for the only 64th spot available for 30 pointers. Uh, right, so right. I think I was, I was very lucky in that regard, but got 50 points there for a total for the season of 110. Um, I think my next event, um, and, and you know, and I guess I'll just say it for the sake of the uh, podcast. I, I don't know for sure if I'm a point chaser this year or not. Um, I just really like highly competitive Pokemon and that high competitiveness sure. comes from point tournaments. So that's, I'll be there. Uh, if that makes me a point chaser, I don't know, but 
Um, I think what makes you a point chaser is if you're willing to travel to multiple hour, yeah. like multi-hour car trips. <laughs> yeah. So, games. so I, and that being said, I think my next tournament is just going to be what uh, Sports Car Junction had just announced. The uh, 24th will be their challenge, September 24th. So that's that's the next tournament on my radar. But I am very happy to take a little bit of a break um, after the 15 rounds that we just played at Pittsburgh. So sure, for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's so solid on so far. I guess the I guess the deck that I, you'd have to pry Tina from from my hands for me to stop playing that yeah, deck. Wait till rotation. You got to wait till rotation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With your own. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. So we'll for see. me, at this point, um, I did end up getting points. I got thirty points, so that puts me at one hundred and eighty-four. Um, for the total for the season, um, for you know the upcoming events, I may be targeting a cup in altoona this weekend on saturday um so hopefully you know another attempt for 50 points there to put me over the 200 mark um would be nice um i'm I'm definitely trying to make a push to try to get all the local ones out of the way as fast as possible that way i can really determine or like put all of my energy into regionals and or ic's and kind of make my decision if you know you know, EOIC is something I want to do, or even NAIC uh, for that matter, since it's a little further this year. So I want to put myself in a pretty good spot. That way I don't have to, you know, maybe financially have to, to make these other runs if I can um, get those out of the way quicker and then see some of these first couple regionals um, if I have, you know, point totals. So um, like I said, I to Chuck, I mean, I feel good about where I'm at, but I'm also nervous where um you know maybe an uh, additional 50 or so points are going to come in from uh to make that 600 mark i'm definitely at that point where i'm still i'm chasing it and i i definitely want to get a top like you know top eight or something to secure 100 points um plus uh that way it makes it a little bit easier on myself so the goal is you know go to peoria um after obviously uh for the, uh, the next month and then you know try to get get in the higher rankings uh, to get a little bit more points uh, to take some pressure off. Because like I said, I think the biggest, um, you know, points getters in what makes or breaks your season is those regionals. Yeah, and I think just to add one one small thing to that, uh, I think you and I had talked about it on the way out of the convention center on day two. Um, like the the sheer amount of effort and work it takes to earn points at a regional doesn't feel reflective of how many points you get like i feel like i played some of the best pokemon in my life and i got as many points that i would get for winning a challenge um and that's not to say that i think the system should change or anything like that because i I haven't looked into the system that much but right it it is very difficult to earn points at a regional as you know a newer player um which i i still think we could consider ourselves newer players compared Mm -hmm. to some of the i mean the the top end players obviously playing like a long time but I mean, we're 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 in there we're, yeah, we're but... in the, like the two and a half three year range so we're we're still pretty decent players i think uh, obviously uh room for improvement always room for improvement but i think it's within reach if we play uh to our potential yeah um with that being said i guess the last thing i want to talk about since we are running a little late we got had a little too much fun at the beginning of the the podcast i guess is just um uh, the effect of 151 on the meta, um, you know, mainly going into Peoria uh, a month from now, uh, since those cards will be legal and kind of see where, if anything, um, any cards that will 
uh, change the meta or, you know, the, you know, the higher percentage uh, decks being played. Um, so does anything stick out to you guys um, that might push um, a deck up for any reason or down for any reason? Um, I don't think like there's a lot of uh, item slash supporter cards that are too um, crazy in, in 151. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not super familiar with everything from the set, but as far as I remember looking at some of the news, I don't recall anything like too crazy. Um, I think the big one is Mew uh, EX that everybody is talking about. So I know we'll get in deep on that one, but definitely um, a card I want to talk about going into Peoria for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's some some quirky cards like uh, Arbok that that could be a thing that you see some sort of like can not not it's like a hand block deck, less a control deck, but um that would be one to maybe look out for keep an eye on it and then zapdos ex could also see some play which we did see i think the winning list in uh champions league in japan um had zapdos ex featured and mu ex featured right for sure so let's let's start with uh yeah. with with mu ex i think it's definitely i think most players would say that is the card of the set uh that will be meta defining um what decks i guess would you think it would help most uh, to include it in? Lost Box comes to mind first because the, the three energy, I believe. Yes. I'm at this. Three colorless I'm energy. Doing this off of I'm doing this off of memory, but it's three energy. Uh, Lost Box can easily attach the energy, and if it's psychic is in there, it, it, it can meet that requirement. Um, and then anytime that like someone uses a powerful attack, like a that it needs like a Giratina or something like that, it can swing right back at just as much emphasis. Um, so yeah, uh, that would be my first go-to deck where I think it kind of is like a little bit of a, a no-brainer, necessarily not necessarily a no-brainer. I mean, you got to make sure it works within the, the the deck constraints. But yeah, right. I mean, I think it's definitely a card that can help um a lost box variant um it you know no matter what is played against it you can just um put it up in the active pretty easily get um three energies on there um to take even like a radiant greninja hit like boss like a boss a radiant greninja and potentially do that out of nowhere um lugia comes to mind where you can you know hit lugias um or tyranitars or something like that um i think it does um present a different option to a lot of these meta decks where you could put it into like a Lugia because it's pretty easily charged up um, or into even, um, well, um, anything with like different kind of acceleration. So even like a Charizard deck or something um, where you're hitting for a different kind of weakness. And I think that's also huge where uh, like Lugia is hitting for dark type with uh, Tyranitar, but maybe you put in a, a Mew and you're now hitting for psychic type uh, depending on the matchup. Um, and that's not even, you know, counting it's, uh, ability where you're drawing additional cards which i think is pretty huge as well yeah i honestly kind of didn't even know about the ability until i read that as you said that <laughs> yeah yeah so um, it, it, it's just a consistency card that can fit into almost any uh archetype and it just it's attacks pretty it easily retreat yeah and the card's broken <laughs> uh, I, I think the the one deck and i know some people will say i'm um, biased against the deck 
Um, I don't think it helps rapid strike Urshifu Inteleon at all. If anything, I think it hurts it. Um, just for the fact that uh, that deck relies on the rapid strike energy, and you can't put that on Mew. Uh, so it wouldn't be able to be that effective. I mean, I know there's a Melanie, but that's still um, not a kind of a strategy that deck's going for. Um, and obviously, uh, a lot of decks can play the Mew pretty easily. Uh, to attack into like the Urshifu portion of it, if it's if it's like a Maridon, uh, it could it could hit into the the Intellion and or the um, Urshifu when you know decks couldn't do that in the past. Yeah, I mean it it nearly fits in every deck, so it, it's just gonna it's gonna be learning its use in each of your individual matchups because, like we've already said, it fits in Lugia, it fits in Maridon. Fits in Gardevoir, fits in Lost Box. I guess could fit in Charizard, like if you're willing to accelerate to it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's going to be everywhere. It's a very good card, and it's just going to be what is your niche use for Mew in your deck against Y deck? You know, like what other deck? For sure. Um, so yeah, I guess that's on the community to in the, the 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 great deck builders to figure out its best use in place. Uh, when it comes to Peoria, and that's going to be um, nice because Peoria, um, you won't have a lot of time to test with it, uh, especially on live. Uh, so it really kind of comes down to that um, group testing uh, to see who can break it um, when it comes to a, a new meta. Yeah, for sure. sure. All right, so the next one is the Zapdos EX. Do you guys think that this is going to fit into everything or just this is going to just make Maridon better? Um, how do you feel about Zapdos? Because it does seem like it is a Lost Box, uh, like an answer to Lost Box when Maridon doesn't t currently have a you know sniping option. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's only going to see play in Maridon. Um, I think that's a confident answer. But um, again, this ability makes it so this Pokemon has no retreat cost, so that's pretty cool. Um, mm. I know Path, of course, shuts that down, but and then. It's kind of like Mariadon's own version of Greninja against Lost Box, I guess you could kind of say. Right. Um, you know, it does the extra to the active, um, but 120 and 90 is pretty good against single prize decks. And if Mariadon struggles against that, this is probably a pretty good answer for that. Now, do you think this this card in itself would like push a deck like um, Lugia down, where it's not necessarily one? shotting anything um but if you put like a choice belt on it's then it is right yeah that will put it at 300 um on the weakness plus uh, potentially like taking two lugas out and then also um um you know potentially with that snipe damage being able to take um another one prizer down archaeops as far as like a two shot um do you think that kind of play has any any um you know validation um yeah, it's potential um yeah there's always potential i i don't think I, just, I i was just gonna say i just don't think it does it i don't i don't know how favored maridon is already into lugia but like i don't That's think I it really say. justifies that match. i don't think it adjusts that matchup any more or less so, That's true. but it, it does adjust other matchups for Lugia or for Maridon. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, I think that that doesn't really 
change too 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 much. Um, uh, another card was it's where did I see it here? I have two that are pretty simple and easy to talk about if you want. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, Basically, they're just better starters for decks that we currently have. Uh, The Pidgey in 151 is all around better than any other Pidgey we currently have. Uh, Even though it is only 50 HP, but it comes with Call the Family, Call for Family, so at least it has something to do if you only start Pidgey. Right. Um, so there's that, and then the Charmander also is the optimal Charmander uh, with a, uh, a useful first-turn attack of... I be, I'm sorry, I can't read it at the second. It's blurry. Um, but it has Let's a useful first-turn attack, even though I can't read it. I think it's... Oh, uh, discarding a stadium. Yeah, um, discarding a stadium, for sure. Yeah. Um, another card, I don't know how useful it will be. I know there's been talks, um, but this is when Alakazam comes into play. Um, obviously, the two cards that come to mind that kind of would pair with this. Uh, since it's ideally attacking from the bench, um, is having like a Klepki or a block Snorlax. Um, do you think this will have any effect on the meta right now? Or do you think um, Lost Box is still in a good spot with like ropes and stuff like that? Um, do you do you see any validation to um, Alakazam currently? I think it's it opens up the... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Colton. I cut that. We were both talk. Go ahead. Yeah, that's no, okay. Uh, I just think it's gonna be tough to make work. I think it's it's a stage two, and I mean, Block Snorlax is not really a threat to most of the decks in the meta right now. And right. if that's how you're gonna protect your Alakazam, it's probably not gonna work. But take it away, Chuck. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I like the idea of that line of play, like putting a Klefki in the active, or even a Mimikyu, or uh, a Block Snorlax, like some kind of weird deck that you put something up that your opponent can't hit but then you're still hitting it with alakazam uh because it's uh it take it does something for control that doesn't that is like the only reason i don't like control is that like it all the control decks what they do is they basically say you can't play the game and it just goes on in in perpetuity until you basically deck out now they they have the incentive to make you not play the game but then still take knockouts uh, which is the point of the game so i like it and i hope that someone makes a deck around it and it kind of works yeah so. i just i don't see it immediately but, uh, i think it's more of a known meta kind of a deck that needs to come up once it knows what it's trying to counter um but i guess the last question i would say with uh with you know going into peoria um with these new cards do we think that these the you know the top eight winning decks are going to have at least a mu uh, in it, do you think it's that um, almost automatic to most decks, or do you think it's kind of just going to be lackluster and not anything you necessarily need to worry about? Uh, I think, unless it's something that comes out of left field, I think Mew is going to be your first thing that kind of pops out of this set mm-hmm. uh, as a new card that does something uh, crazy in a tournament. So. Yeah, I mean, I would venture to say if if your question revolves around Peoria's top eight, I would venture to say, you know, fifty to you know sixty five percent of top eight will have. I don't know what the actual percentage would be, but would have a mu in it. I would right. expect over half of them to have a mu in it. Um, my my left field choice would be that the fire Charizard EX might find a home in current. Charizard EX decks to just 
basically give a little bit of offense like offense to the Charizard deck that wants to take big knockouts after uh because you can turn it on pretty much with one evolution but Problem, maybe I'm... the problem with that is to get that playoff you would need to get two rare candies that's half your rare candies and then once you attack you are now losing half of your energies and then you need to accelerate to it again uh, so I, how are you getting that second attack off if you survive, um, especially with the board state probably not having a lot of Charmanders on the on the field? It feels clunky to repeat that attack. Can it happen? Yes. I just I feel like there's too much. It's already a you can deck. argue. Well, see, you know, like you can arguably charge up. Both in turn. So if you evolve the Charizard EX. Either one. And do its the, the the acceleration one. You put two. You can put two on on the darkness one, and then two on this other one, and then you can actually play magma basin for an effect uh, in in this deck. And put the third energy on it, and then your attached return can go onto this, and you have both charged up. And then when you do use this big attack, you still hit for one sixty. But then at this point. Like you might have lost some things, so then the other Charizard's actually hitting for big numbers too. Right. I, it's just like I feel like this is the one you hit with first, and then you come in with the other dark one uh, to finally close out games. But again, it may not work. It just might not be good enough. Well, we shall see. Um, are there are there any other closing thoughts or at least uh, opening thoughts when it comes to uh, Peoria and you know successful decks or anything like that? Um, but you know, a month away from now. Uh, I don't think one fifty one changes the um successful decks. I think it like you're gonna see the same archetypes succeed. I think you're just gonna see some additional cards in those archetypes. Yeah, um, I would I would tend so. to agree with you. Be being yeah, being that it will be just barely legal for that tournament, I believe. I uh, and it's not it it is a subset like a small set kind of thing i don't see it providing that much too much flex like uh shock to the system right. on the meta i i think you will see one or two cards maybe make splashes in decks but that's about it yeah, fair fair statements for sure all right well i mean we've been at this for almost two hours we're gonna try to make it a little bit less here uh so i think that's where where our queue is going to be uh, to call it uh, before we you know let you go colton do you have any uh shout outs plugs or anything you want to say uh before we get out of here uh i mean just shout out as always to team junction you guys are great and you know wouldn't have had the finish that i did at pittsburgh without you guys um uh yeah that's but that's about it thanks for having me for sure it was a blast um like i said um but I would just at that point just say uh, thank you everybody for hanging out with us till the end, which was just a little bit of a longer episode, uh, but definitely a fun one. Um, but I think that will do it. So thanks again. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks again for listening to the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. Uh, if, as always, if you could do us and future listeners a favor and leave us a like, a rating or a review on whatever your podcast platform of choice is. It goes a long way to helping out the pod. Plus, Jake, where can you reach us directly? Yeah, you can get me at Panux1 on Twitter, as well as Chuck at WatchWhimsy 
You can also reach us on Twitter for the whole Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast at PitPokeyPod. Thanks again, guys and gals. We'll see you all next time. See you later.